0: Tonight. Um, uh, tonight will be a topical message, uh, not in the regular, uh, everyday, run-of-the-mill study in the book of Psalms that uh, Mike will do uh, when he comes back. Uh, tonight, uh, I've titled this message called Brotherly Fellowship, and as we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. So if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 40, we'll begin there. Um, You know, tonight uh, we'll certainly be looking uh, closely at the things the first church was practicing. We always talk about the apostles' doctrine, you know, fellowship, breaking of bread, you know, and prayers. Where the apostles' doctrine is none other than just the uh, uh, the teaching of Jesus, right? And 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 so every time we meet, uh, we have a teaching of the things of Jesus. You know, right out of the scriptures. You know, so, so we do that uh, on occasion. And then uh, uh, our, our fellowship. Well, we have fellowships, you know. Uh, but tonight, that's what we're going to be uh, looking at. Uh, breaking of bread. You know, every Wednesday night before service, there's uh, dinner in the cafe. Right? Breakfast on Sundays. So, uh, uh, so we certainly have breaking of bread. Uh, the first uh, Wednesday night and first Sunday of every month, uh, we share in communion. Uh, so the breaking of bread uh, is always there. And, and certainly, uh, we give ourselves over to prayer. But tonight, like I said, we'll be resting on brotherly fellowship. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, uh, this is where the church began. And the, uh, the church, according to the scriptures, uh, began as Luke uh, writes. Uh, so let's look at it here in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Now this is Peter speaking, right, uh, before the Sanhedrin, and he says, with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone one. Had need, So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, tonight, uh, we thank you for your greatness. Uh, Lord, as we uh, sing and worship uh, how great you are. How awesome uh, you are. And how, Lord, uh, you created this church, this body, uh, to function, Lord, as you have called it to. And, Lord, this, uh, this ten-letter word of fellowship, Lord, is, is, is so uh, packed full of meaning, and so, Lord, as we unpack it tonight, uh, Lord, as we look at a brotherly fellowship and how that plays out in, in our lives, uh, just like it did in the lives of those of the early church. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would cause us to glean something from tonight. Uh, Lord, that uh, it would certainly cause us uh, a joy and a peace as we understand how we fit in to this fellowship here at 6501 Chirac Court as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So sometimes, uh, familiar words uh, lose their intended meaning. And and so it is with the word fellowship. Uh, You know, we use it a lot, uh, but oftentimes not really in a biblical meaning, not really in a biblical sense. You know, in in our day, uh, the word fellowship is used to describe uh, gatherings uh, ranging from coffee and donuts Uh, all the way to worship services. And most times it's associated with gathering, you know, where, you know, we eat. I don't know why it is that, you know, usually when Christians get together, we got to have some food, right? You know. Now, now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with eating. I I love eating, right? Uh, You know, um, and there's nothing really wrong with calling those type of gatherings fellowship. These type of fellowships are important. And and it gives us an opportunity to to get together with one another, to to better know and understand where we are uh, in our lives. You know, they're they're really designed to promote fellowship with each other. And tonight, that's what we're going to look at is fellowship. So what I want to do is this. I want to look at the, the biblical use of the word, you know, and it's used in scripture, and, and let it teach us true fellowship that God would have us experience. The word used in the early church went, went far beyond the occasional or regular gatherings, uh, even though they met uh, because of their common bond in Jesus. Uh, they met from house to house, uh, but it served a unified purpose. We learn from God's word that fellowship is a, is a heart issue, Uh, Something that is to be felt and, and expressed. And something very important to be part of. This type of fellowship should occur apart from any program, schedule, or even activities. It really is to be a way of life for the believer in Jesus. Actually wanting to be in each other's company to be in each other's life, to, to share together and to, and to help and to support each other, both physically and spiritually. If one of the members of our body hurts, we share that burden. And if one rejoices, we get to share that too. The, the early, early church was born uh, really in a, in a hostile society. Uh, the Jews had crucified J- Jesus uh, just two months earlier. And it was not popular or even healthy to be a believer. Yet these believers had to be close due to their uniqueness as believers in Jesus. The church was a source of their strength. And when they met together, uh, their strength was in uh, in the fact that they came together in fellowship. The simple act of meeting together bonded them And it was a source of personal support. Because of their faith in Jesus, they were alienated from the Jewish society. They they were not only shunned, but in danger for their very lives. Thus, the local church became their support group. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I said before, this is a topical message, and so we're going to, we started in the book of Acts, wanted to kind of give you a a feel for how the first church began in those four things, and moving on, uh, we'll kind of be traveling through the scriptures as we go. See, the Bible says that that all uh, came together. Uh, But later on here in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, when the Jewish believers were waning in their faith and faithfulness to their assemblies, this is what God told them. He said, hold fast your confession. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, let's pick it up there. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is interesting because uh, the Lord combines church attendance with holding fast the profession, the profession of one's faith. Further, he goes on and says, assembling together was for the purpose of exhorting one another, uh, which, which really means just to lift up and, and to encourage Now, turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just a few books back toward the center of your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, in these passages, talks about the the body or the church as a body of believers, Uh, the body is a unit. Uh, and it can only function as a unit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to pick it up in verse 12, but we're going to go all the way through 31. So Paul here, he describes unity and diversity in the body. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12. As for the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and having all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, oh, I'm sorry. And if the whole body were an eye, uh, where would be the hearing? And if the whole he- were hearing, then where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, these members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think less honorable on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty but our presentable parts have no need but god composed the body having given greater greater honor to that part which which lacks it and there should be no schisms in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another and if one member suffers all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now now look here in verse 28. It says where where did God appoint these gifts to be used? Verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers and after that miracles and then gifts of healing helps administrations variety of tongues now paul goes on now to make a few rhetorical type questions are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles you see, Paul, Paul had just told us that uh, um, we're not all ears or eyes, but each one has been given gifts as God pleases. I don't even get to choose my gifts. It's because what God pleased to put in me and to put in you. That's what we're supposed to, uh, to go with. And you know, in the, um, verse 30, says, "Do all uh, have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret?" Uh, the answers to all these questions are are no. And then Paul finally says in verse 31, "But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way." In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, the, the point that Paul makes uh, is that the church is a unit. Uh, the body uh, is a unit, with no part being more important than another, uh, meaning every part is vital and important to the whole. In verse 25, Paul says that there should be no schisms. Ultimately, he's indicating that there should be no divisions. But being united. But that the members should have the same care for one another. Every person is important in the church. Every person is important in the church. Uh, Paul explains that God gives gifts as he pleases. And each person has a gift and an ability to do a job. And where should we, where should we exercise those gifts? In the church. Now we can say we can exercise those gifts not only in the church correct but this is where they should be exercised first and foremost Now everyone doesn't have the same gift just like he said that there's some are apostles some are prophets some are teachers and so on and so forth But everyone has a gift and everyone's been given a job to do, per se. So, let me let me break it down. Let's say you like working on cars, right? Well, I'm sure that there's somebody around here, you know, at our church that needs a car fixed. Right? Let's say, let's say for instance, that you like painting, right? I mean, you just thrive on that roller, right? So, I'm sure that we can find some places around here that could be painted. Like the door that goes from the cafe into the... (laughs) That thing's getting beat up. I seen it last night. Let's say that you like trimming plants, right? And so uh, trimming plants, you know, we got tons of plants around here that could be trimmed, right? Come on, trim some plants. What about uh, planting flowers? You like planting flowers? I know some of you do, right? Like planting flowers? So you come on, man, plant some flowers. There's all kinds of flower beds around here. The point that I'm trying to make is there's many things that need to be done around here. I know, just looking out right here, you know, that there are some of you that just love to vacuum. Or, or mop, right? We need that too. Every week. This place gets messed up. So a lot of the guys and gals they come in and they run through this campus every week, kind of straighten it up, you know, for Sunday again, right? So if you just have that hankering, you know, that you got to mop something, you know, show up at the cafe, I'm sure they can uh, they, they they can find a spot. And and seriously, don't get me started on washing windows. but these first believers they had everything in common. Uh they saw themselves as a body with a common bond. They they had the same heart and soul. Uh you know they they prayed and and they continued together in one accord. You see I believe today uh that the reason it's so hard for everyone not uh, maybe I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of you know people to regularly attend church, you know, and and be involved um you know is because they're too involved in worldly things. Now I know I'm not talking to you because you're here on Wednesday nights, right? Yeah, everyone that shows up here on Wednesday nights are, you know, they're, you know, they're, that, they're next step up, you know, on the spiritual ladder, right? But I think that that's that's what happens is that we lose our focus. Uh, And, you know, and then so, but our our first priority, and did you notice that I said too much though? Did you notice that that I said that they get caught up in the worldly things too much? You know, we all have to do worldly things in a sense, you know, um, but I think sometimes it it pulls our focus away. You know, the first priority, uh, you know, in our lives must be Jesus. And if it is Jesus, then we will certainly live happy and fruitful lives. Look what it says in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. You see, Paul says that Christ uh, is to have preeminence in all things, putting him first. Then everything else falls into its proper place. We often quote this verse in Matthew 6:33, that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, I'm not talking about The success as the world sees it, but as God does. I am talking about a reward in heaven. And the reward in heaven comes from because we lived our lives in faith, trusting the Lord. Let me read you a poem that kind of captures that thought. He is no fool if he gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Only one life, which soon is past, only what's done for Christ will last. It's kind of cool. They had that up there. Good job, y'all. Uh, another issue I, that I see, you know, uh, for professing, uh, professing Christians, uh, that they, they know the words and even the meaning of the scriptures. You know, but they they just can't seem to believe it. Uh, I think sometimes if it was really a belief, not just head knowledge, that it would certainly play out in their lives. That that they would be uh, practicing them more than just talking about them. You know, uh, many, like I said, will let a lot of stuff interfere uh, in their life in their faithfulness to the Lord. I'll tell you a story. It's one thing to know the Bible. It's quite another to live it. It's like this pastor, young pastor, comes to this church, a long line of pastors, right, that have been coming to this church. And this church The specific church, had been known for a lot of trouble in it. And these pastors, they didn't stay very long because of the trouble. An older woman in the community had donated the land in where they built the church. And any time that they came up with circumstances or situations, they always confided in the older woman. And because she kind of held a little tight on that, you know, they, they pretty much went that way. Well, this, this young pastor, the current pastor of this church, he he came up to a problem, and the older woman took an unbiblical position. So this young pastor, full of zeal, right, he... he goes to this woman, right? And, and he reasons with her from the scriptures. And, and that young pastor is, he's certain, he's for sure that he's communicated effectively from the scriptures how this situation should be handled. And when he gets done, he's feeling confident. The woman looks at him and says, I know the Bible says that, but I don't see it that way. That young pastor, he added himself to the list of the long list of pastors before him and left the church because the congregation decided that they were going to go with what the woman said rather than what the scriptures said. See, sometimes we not just follow a woman, right, but we follow self. we have our own ideas instead of following what God would have us be about. The church really should be made up of all who accept the doctrines and teachings of the Bible. Uh, The spiritual church uh, and the spiritual members will let the word of God settle any matter and never do wrong for friendship or for pride. You see, that early church had brotherly fellowship. And their basis of that unity was Christ. And this is what brought them together. That, that, that Greek word that was used back then was koin, koinia, right? Koinonia. Can everybody say that? Koinia. Come on, one more time. Koinonia. Nice. I like it and really all it means is communion it means fellowship it means uh, sharing in common uh, something that's that's uh, familiar and ordinary and it, and it comes from the word common one commentator de- defines fellowship as the expression of genuine Christianity among the members of God's family so So now that we've kind of wrapped that up a little bit, uh, what does fellowship include? Let's look and see what biblical fellowship has at the heart is love and acceptance. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width the length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 You see, brotherly fellowship is, is, is sharing something with someone because love is action. Love is a verb. It's doing something. It's sharing something with someone. So in, in Philippians chapter 2, should, should, should we accept others with our own faults? With our own problems, with our own failures, if we esteem others higher than ourselves, that would probably solve about ninety-five percent of our problems. Ninety-five percent, if we just esteem others a little higher than ourselves. Philippians chapter two. Let's start in verse one. Paul writes: Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by me being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. The word esteem, means to lead before the mind, to, to suppose or consider or esteem. In other words, to esteem another person is not based on what they actually do. But we graciously think of them higher than they really are. Wouldn't you like that if everyone thought of you higher than you really are? And again, like I said, it's not based on what other people actually do, but it's esteeming them higher. It's easy for us to be that type of person, you know, and go, well, you know, they, they got that because that's the type of life they live. That's the decisions that they make, right? That's the easy, that's the easy way. But to esteem them higher than that To believe more for them? You see, we give them the benefit of the doubt. We show them grace and mercy. We extend to them love. And it's not based on whether they deserve it. But on the love that God has given us. That sometimes flies in the face of how I believe. And why I believe it. It means that abrasiveness, being insensitive, showing resentment and a judgmental spirit must be replaced with an agape love. Of course, agape is, uh, or some people pronounce that agape, right? Uh, is the Greek word translated in our New Testament, love. But it's a word used for the love that God shows us Unconditionally. He showed that unconditional love that uh, he poured out his love upon us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's an unselfish love which seeks the highest good of the other person, getting behind them so as to help them reach God's goal and will for their lives. Can can you get behind someone? Can you support them? Can you uh, uh, exhort them, encourage them, lift them up, spur them on, right, to good works? That's what the Bible tells us to do. See, biblical fellowship is a a family relationship. You, You become part of the family of God on earth. And really, I hope each one of us here that comes to Calvary Chapel Bakersfield actually sees themselves as part of a family. Uh, Granted, our our, our home is in heaven. Uh, We're just sojourners. We're just passing through. We're just pilgrims on a journey. But we get to do it together. Uh, We get to come here and we get to fellowship together and we get to support one another. and it's uh, it's it's so much different than how the world operates paint tithes that's completely out there you know for someone who doesn't believe in jesus giving a tenth of everything you make or 20% because Paul says give hilariously right so you know give 50% that'd be awesome but that flies in the face of how the world believes you know You know, it's sad that, you know, some in our church, by by their their lack of devotion to the church, show that they love the world more. And now, sure, they would say they love the church. Sure, they say that they love the people of the church, right? Uh, But when there is need, uh, when there are activities, when there are things going on, right, Mm, there's some of them are not to be found. And like I said, I know it's not you guys, because you know you're here on a Wednesday night. I get that. Fellowship has a uh, requires having a concern and a spirit of restoration, one to another. Look what it says in Galatians chapter six, verses one and two. It says, "Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault." You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. See, we are to bear one another's burdens, especially uh, if a brother or sister uh, who uh, is in need uh, you know, has fallen spiritually or morally. It requires prayer, but more requires fellowship. It requires being with that person, having a common bond. And that common bond is Jesus. We, we need to be gentle with them. We need to encourage them. We need to get behind them. We need to raise them up, spur them on to good works, get them back into fellowship. Fellowship also requires confession and forgiveness. This is where it kind of gets hard. I want you to think this through with me a little bit. James 5:16 says, "Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that that you may be healed." The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In order that confession and forgiveness is able to, you know, even be effective, there has to be a freedom in the church, and, and an atmosphere. Which will allow it? If 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 I'm looking down my nose, if I'm judgmental towards other people, right? Uh, then I'm not necessarily being loving and caring and compassionate and considerate, and, and I don't provide a uh, a place for confession and. Forgiveness to, to happen. You know, if, if gossiping and, and bitterness and backbiting, criticism, schisms, right, all hinder the, the spirit of forgive, uh, freedom and forgiveness, you know, and, and, and it will kill the spirit in the church. It would be like throwing cold water on freedom and fellowship with each other. One must uh, also have the courage to be honest, to share a failure or a personal need. Uh, Sometimes our pride gets in the way. Uh, Sometimes I don't want to tell anybody that I'm having issues. Whether I'm caught up in something of the world or, uh, or I'm hungry, I need something to eat. I got, I got more month at the end of the paycheck. We must, as Jesus said, you know, get the beam out of our own eye before we can try to get the splinter, you know, out of, our, uh, out of someone else's eye. You know, fellowship involves uh, encouragement and availability. Availability, that's a hard one too. That's a tough one. You know, we seek to serve and help each other. You, can, you cannot do that if you have something against someone else. Ouch. <sighs> That's straight to the heart. As we've seen in, uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews says we are to hold to our faith without wavering. We're to consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We're to be faithful to meet together, exhorting one another, building each other up. Fellowship also involves informality and flexibility. Did this assessment test today. Anthony was looking over my shoulder. You know, uh, informality and flexibility... It's not my strong suit. I like to be calculated and planned and purposed. That's why when I'm up here, right, I pay attention to this. I share the information with you, right, because I don't want to go down a sidetrack. You know, I've only got a certain amount of time. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says, Let brotherly love continue do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. You ever, you ever done that? Let brotherly love control all we do. Do not forget to entertain strangers. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to show them a good time. Uh, but what it means is that uh, we're supposed to show them love. Right? And, and, uh, or uh, hospitality, hospitality toward Hebrews 13, 14 through 16 goes on to say, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. It means having the freedom in our fellowship and not let ritual and ceremony rule it. Uh, we should not let uh, ritual rule or trad- tradition rule or uh, you know or just rule our fellowship. But but really experiencing the common bond of God uh, we, we should let our fellowship and praise to God be an actual doing the will of God, sharing and helping one another, for this is what pleases God. As I wrap this up tonight, fellowship with God is, is by accepting the Lord Jesus and having commonality in his word. We have this with God first, and because of that, fellowship one with another. Now, this is brotherly fellowship is what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not just talking about the donuts and coffee, right? I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, uh, sometimes just sitting across the table, you know, but real brotherly fellowship where we we get to meet together, where we encourage, you know, one another, right? Where when people are walking down the aisle and we're passing them, you know, it's almost like, boom, high five, right? You can do this. You got this. No matter how hard, how dark it seems, I'm right here with you. Can we be that way? We need to be. God calls us to do that. I think sometimes we just lose sight of that. So, a few questions here. Um, are you in fellowship with God? Have you trusted in Christ? Are we in fellowship with one another? Are we forgiving? Or are we judgmental or considerate or sensitive to one another's feelings? See, these are the questions that I have to ask myself. Am, 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 I, am I encouraging? Am I lifting others up? Do we see ourselves as vital part of this church? And I mean, really, each one of us. Uh, do, we, do we really see ourselves as a vital part of this church? Or do we see ourselves as if I don't just show up on Sunday, nobody's going to miss me, nobody's going to care? It's not a big deal, right? I think some, sometimes that, that lackadaisical attitude uh, you know, really begins to stretch not only just in a one Sunday here, a one Wednesday night there, uh, women's Bible study, men's Bible study, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, the two by two ministry, right? We have an opportunity to go uh, do a, uh, help a fundraiser, fun sports, at River Lakes uh, this coming weekend, right? And we sit around, we go, okay, well, uh, you know, who wants to go? Crickets. I don't hear, got nobody raising their hand, I got nothing, you know. But this is the place. This campus first. This is where we use our gifts to glorify God. To serve one another. In a couple weeks, I'll, uh, I'll be teaching here on Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, so I got a lot of this uh, this good stuff, more more good stuff for you. So really, um, you know, this week uh, that I would I would really ask each one of you to consider your role here at Calvary Chapel Bakersfield, and 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 ask yourself and be honest. I'm not asking for you know for you to raise your hand or even come t- talk to me. If you want to come talk to me, I'll you know. I'll certainly be a, be a good listener. I'll certainly be encouraging, right? I'll certainly be uh, spurring you on to good works, right? Because if you want to vacuum, I got, we, got, we got places to vacuum and mop and wash windows. and I mean, you know, there's things that need to be done. You like to cook? You know, Dave and Kimberly over in the cafe, you know, they, my goodness, they could use help. At least, just stirring the rice for Dave. <laughs> He's got that bum shoulder going on, you know. Huh? He can do it now. No way. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But really, to see how the Spirit would uh, have you help the help meet the needs, you know, right here. You know, don't be afraid to ask yourself, how can I help? Ponder that. Put that on the forefront of your mind as you lay your head on your pillow tonight. And that'd be awesome if, if, if God would just like give you a vision, right, while you're asleep. Visions happen like that, right? Yeah, we have that evidence in the scripture. That'd be awesome if, if you went to bed tonight, right, and everybody had a vision, That'd be freaky, huh? <laughs> it could be more freaky if it was all the same vision. <laughs> no way, you two. Yeah, that'd be freaky. But it'd be cool. It'd be something that God would be doing just from a night that we get to spend together like this. Just know that uh, each one of you, uh, I love you and I care about you. And there's nothing more uh, than I would like to see is everyone involved. Men's Bible study on Monday nights, Wednesday mornings. Women's Bible study will be starting up pretty soon. You know, Uh, Sunday school teachers, greeters, ushers, security, cleaning, cooking, outreach evangelism. We got it all. The short, the thin, the fat, the tall. We got it all. You know? And, you know, and there's, there's, a, there's a place. There's a place for each one of you. You know? And, and if, you, if you want to come talk to me, I was kind of joking earlier, but if you want to come talk to me, we can for, certainly find, you know, that place for you. You know? Uh, because that's where joy comes. You know? You, you get doing the things that God has called you to do, You know, when you're in line with his will for your life, oh my goodness, that's where joy comes from. Nice. Well, it looks like my time is just about up, so uh, I I can't, uh, I guess, really encourage you anymore right? I could get, all, get you all hyped up, right? So everybody stand up, right? Okay, let's do some hoorahs and, you know, but that just gives you a fleeting moment, right? I'm gonna do it, you know? It's in those quiet moments when you agree with God. It's in those quiet moments when, when you say, I surrender, I give up. Now, I guess I can only tell you that because that's what happened to me. It wasn't a mountaintop experience, you know, at a men's retreat in the mountains. You know, it wasn't at, uh, uh, you know, a a Christian uh, concert at the amphitheater, you know, at River Lakes. You know, it was by myself, surrendering to God, saying, "I, I give up myself. I give up my own thoughts, and my own ideas to serve you. And I've been doing that faithfully on this campus for 22 years, almost 23 years. That's crazy. That God would take a guy like me, a bonehead, right, and and use him in the life of this church. I've seen a lot of people come and go. And only few have remained faithful. There's a lot of people that, you know, because they, they would tell me that, you know, oh, well, you know, you don't have to be a part of this church, you know, to you know, be a part of the family of God, right? To be in the body of Christ. I don't have to be a part of this church. I can go to a church over there, right? Uh, Let me tell you this. God has called you here. That's why you're here. When you decide that you want to get up and go, there's no guarantee that you'll even go to church in a year. I've seen it done. I've seen it happen. When you get out of the will of God, and I'm not saying that you can't leave here. That's not, don't, don't get me wrong. If, if God is leading you, you know, to go, awesome. I'll be the first one to help you pack your bags. Pray for you. Love on you. Send you out. Hope I see you again. You know, and if I see you at the fair, right, because I'm sitting at the Calvary Chapel Bakersfield booth and you walk by, right? <laughs> I hope you're still serving Jesus. <laughs> let's pray father lord tonight I thank you god for your word uh, how god it, it, it cuts uh, so deep uh, into our hearts uh, that it, it, it flies in the face of our own thoughts and ideas uh, lord that you have something so much greater and so much higher in store for us uh, in purpose for us in a plan for us and so god tonight I, I just look to you And trust you, Lord, uh, not only with my life, but all of these, your children, uh, the ones that called themselves part of the body of Christ. And so, Lord, as we have just heard from this portion of your word uh, regarding brotherly fellowship and how we are to uh, give of ourselves, uh, esteem others more highly than ourselves, lord if there's anyone here tonight uh, who hasn't yet made that surrender uh, lord i pray tonight that this would be the night Uh, we know your word says that uh, today is the day of salvation Uh, let us not uh, uh, walk away from this place without making that choice making that call uh, because there's uh, uh, no lasting value in this world unless it's a godly value And so, Lord, change us and make us and mold us to the image of Jesus. That's the only hope that we have uh, on this side of heaven. And so, Lord, uh, we trust you in this. We know that uh, you're faithful. The one who began the work is faithful to complete it. And so we give you this tonight. And all God's children said, Amen.